welcome to the Epoch Hour. My name is Samantha Mosca, and joining me today for our conversation on the theme of transitions are Epoch Press's very own co-editors-in-chief, Shahrazade Khan and Kara Bentley. Today, we want to talk about transitions, which is the theme of issue four. We're accepting submissions just now, not for much longer, but we want a big final push. And um, I think this is an interesting theme. Like all of our themes before, we've uh, sort of approached our staff and, you know, brainstormed ideas for what we want the next themed issue to be. And then we put that up to our Twitter audience for a vote. And this issue was transitions. It's such a interesting theme. And I'll start kind of like with my feelings about it because I have, I have like, I really like it. I love it. Absolutely. But I have feelings that are kind of interesting because I feel like it's a more, what's the right word? It's sort of an ethereal concept. Like it's, it's not as graspable. It's not as firm as you have beginnings and aftermath and roots. Like those, I feel like have groundings in something sort of visual, right? And it's kind of like the nature of transitions that you you don't really see them so much. They they're they're um, they're continuous. They're ongoing. It's something that you move from one state to another. So it's it's liminal. Um, and less concrete. Yeah. So that's something that I've had found as a challenge as a reader um, and an editor this issue. So what are, what are your feelings about it, Kara? I was discussing with our art manager, Hillary, about transition and what we're thinking about the cover. So obviously when we're thinking about the cover, we're thinking of transitions in a visual kind of platform. And unlike beginnings where we can represent an hourglass or aftermath, um, or even roots where we can put like literal roots on the cover. Transition is a little bit harder to visual, like to create a symbol for. Um, it doesn't come as readily. So I, I would agree with that. And I think as well, when you're talking about transition being kind of this period, it's not the before and the after, like we have with begin beginnings and aftermath. It's almost this like in between period that's a little bit more difficult to have narratives for because normally our narratives kind of have that framework of a beginning and an end, whereas some of these stories don't. Yeah, I think too, like, it's so interesting because even when you say that, like there's a part of me that wants to just like argue, right? right? Like I wanna be like, well, no, because transitions happen at all times. Like our lives aren't these narratives of like beginning and end. So it feels <laughs> like, it, it feels like, yeah, you could, we can put those transitions anywhere, but as an editor, like sitting down and like considering pieces, you have to, sometimes like what people consider a transition, it feels really ungraspable to me. Like I have to sort of reorient so myself subtle. to the theme. Yeah, it's so subtle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it makes it really difficult to have an issue that has this really subtle theme when we've had such kind of concrete ideas of what we were looking for. Um, I, I love it though. I really love it yeah. because like what's coming out is all different. It's very, like it's a different experience than Roots where I felt like the the theme of Roots is really, it's so concrete that like to branch out from that, 
I think a lot of creators can find difficulty in because you have like literal roots, but you have family and origins, like things that we very typically apply. And I know that I got in some arguments with some editors over some pieces that I thought (laughs) were like indicative of, of roots. I was like, no, this makes sense to me. This is part of it. It's just not the same thing that we've been reading. But Mm -hmm. I think that makes it those ones like challenging in a different way. So what's challenging about this is that, you know, it's kind of like broader, broader, more more pieces fit. I feel like we have a bit more wiggle room in our editorial process as well to like argue for pieces being connected to the theme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Which wasn't as easy in some of the other issues because it was a lot... I'm not going to kind of word this right, but it was a lot easier to kind of be like, oh, no, this is definitely Roots. Um, yeah. This is definitely Aftermath. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I think, too, that, like, there are things that I just didn't consider as transitions. Like, it, like we've had a few, quite a few pieces about death as a transition. And, and obviously, obviously, but, like, it just never occurred to me. It never entered my brain. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm guilty of, of my own, you know, blindness in that, in that regard of my own narrow focus rather. Uh, what about you, Sherry? Do you have, do you struggle with the, the vagaries? Um, I think to a certain extent, um, I'm actually enjoying the vagueness of it. Um, and a lot of it has to do with what you're saying. It's this in-between nature. It's this kind of, on one side, very continuous and on the other side, very ephemeral um, situation that where that, that transition inspires. Um, but in so many ways as well, um, I feel like coming from a very literary background um, where so much of my research, you know, deals with um, how, how our stories are told, how everyday stories are told and how storytelling evolves, you really come to recognize very quickly that all of what storytelling is, is that transition bit. You have the beginning and the end, but the reason we read in the first place or the reason we watch is we wanna know how we get there. And that whole thing is transitions. And then again, on the more literary side of it, on the more like going back to the very word itself, transitions are so important in how to achieve what we're talking about, how to write the next stage is that transition. How do you move from this sentence to that sentence or this plot point to the next plot point? So I think it's going to be incredibly challenging, yes, for our writers, but also for our editors. And as a journal as a whole, I think it's very exciting that we've moved from these concrete times in, or these concrete moments in time, such as a beginning or an aftermath or a concept that is so concrete, like roots, like you were both saying, visually it's concrete in so many ways, but also it is very much rooted, pun intended, in a moment um, and rooted in our own narratives. Whereas transitions, transitions can be the most minute things of our everyday lives. And yet you can build a whole story out of that. And I think that's why it'll be a very exciting issue for us. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think too, like what you've said has sort of sparked 
the memories. I've spoken with a few members of staff about the theme of transitions, just sat down and had some brief conversations, which I will add some of their insights to the end of the episode. And one of the big things is um, to give a little bit of context, anybody listening, like we all live in different places. So during, um, and by that, I mean, it's, it's quite global, uh, but during the lockdown and, and pandemic and everything, we haven't, many of us haven't met before. So we talk on our Slack app where we discuss pieces, uh, but we don't really have a lot of meetings because time, time zones are so different. And um, so some of these people, I had never like spoken with them, even in, even in Zoom, I've spoken with them through text, but that's it. So I sat down and I had some discussions with people. So you start off and you, you discuss how you are. And it's a really funny place globally, uh, especially really in the global West, obviously, uh, where vaccines are rolling out and people's lives are changing from the last year. And Epoch started during lockdown and we are now transitioning into this different space and I think it's we can see how it's affecting our staff and everything but we've had the discussions it all starts off with well how are you and and everybody's going into oh I'm getting my vaccine or I've got it I mean I spoke with Ivan and he had just had his and ended the two-week isolation after that so he, he was going out uh for dinner and it was like, oh, wow. I was very jealous. I hadn't even had mine yet. I was like, Ugh. so it's just like a moment, you know, it's a moment um, that we're all in and all over the world. I mean, like, it's hard to say that, uh, that the lockdowns and the pandemic and the experience, the global experience wasn't in and of itself a transition. But I was thinking that as we look at the themes of our journals from beginnings, aftermath and roots and now transitions, it feels really like these are so applicable to the times that they were, that they were open for submissions for, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I hadn't even considered how transition was fitting into that as well. I, I definitely like thought about how beginnings and aftermath what um, were tied into the global pandemic, but no, that's oh, it's fascinating. Well, I feel like I like think- sorry, sorry. I feel like roots too was like it was. It, it almost seems like it, it wouldn't because it would be applicable at any time. You know, like everybody always has roots, but we certainly spent, I think, as a culture, socially examining our roots a lot during lockdown because we had so much um, social upheaval and a lot of movement for justice and a lot of recognition of colonial powers and white supremacy. So a lot of us are taking a closer look at our roots. Uh, and then additionally, it's just a time of, of reflection. I think for a lot of people when you're stuck in one place, mm-hmm. sorry, Sherry, um, you were going to say something as well. No, it's totally fine. I think it, it that's, very much what I was also thinking about, about how very much globally we were in such a pivotal moment historically, you know, a pandemic um, that has affected pretty much the entire, uh, you know, human population in some level or another. It was interesting to see how many people you, at least definitely in Global West, were keeping that in mind that we were very privileged in being able to almost feel like our lives had stopped for the time being. And that in itself felt like a transition. We were just waiting from one point to another. It really felt like a limbo. 
um, that our lives had just halted and this was just transitioning to another moment in time. And it was interesting when we had roots come in because we'd gone through by this point, like almost a full year of um, a lockdown. And for so many of us, um, you know, for the three of us, for sure, we have roots, physical roots elsewhere. You know, we all have family in North America. We have, I have family in Europe as well. And so the physical roots of that was very interesting to bring up at the time when we were very aware of not being able to visit our roots or visit our families and things like that and being so um, I guess separated from those roots in so many ways. But this transition as well, it's, it was a lot harder, I think, and continues to be a lot harder to put into words because it just felt like one transition to another that you go from um, waiting for this pandemic to end, sitting in a limbo, waiting for your life to move to the next stage. But then you go from that to being like, I'm just waiting for my vaccine or I'm waiting for offices to open. I'm waiting for society to open. I'm waiting for when I can see my family. And so much of what we have written, like I was kind of saying with narratives, so much of what our past issues have done have rooted us in specific moments in time, a beginning of a pandemic, an aftermath of a pandemic, the roots that we have lost or that we have discovered during our pandemic that so many people moved home, um, that it's interesting now in issue four to come across and be very reflective about how this was all a transitional moment, that every single bit of this was transitional. And the stories that we're gonna pull from that are going to be so exciting to read. Yeah, I think that that's such, so, so insightful um, because I think we just, transitions are a time that I think you almost don't even think about in a way, you know, like even, I think a lot of people experience change, but they don't really see it until they've come out the other side, you yeah. know, uh, it's one of those, like, I can see how much I've changed when I like look back, I go, oh, 10 years ago, who was I? And, and it's good too, to like frame what is transition in that context as well. Like is transition that whole 10 years? Mm -hmm. uh, because it is in, in a way, right? Like it's a, it's a much longer, it's a much longer period if you're looking at, depends on where your end caps are, right? So where's your liminal space? Where's one room and where's the other? And how long is the hallway? You know, and I, I think that like that's something that we do with, with creative nonfiction writing all the time is when we're trying to draft this story and we're having to put it into a frame, we have to pick where the transition is. You know, we have to, we have to decide, okay, so what is this story about? Is it a 10 year arc or is it a weekend? You know, and you can have transitions that take place, very different transitions over both or one or the other. Um, it's a moment well, too, right? Like it's a it's yeah. a death. Like someone exists and then someone doesn't, and we've transitioned. And you know, like for for example, I'm thinking about this in the context of the pandemic as well. I lost my grandpa while I was in Scotland. My family's in California, and I've you know now that I'm going to be vaccinated, I'm planning a trip to go back home. Um, 
and I keep thinking to myself about like the plans that I'm making and I'm like, oh, hey, maybe I'll like take my grandpa out to go have like fish and chips at the pier. And then I have to remember because I'm grieving from afar that he's not actually going to be able to do that. <laughs> um, and, and I think that that's a big part of transition as well is like, you know, we were talking about death as transition and also grief and how we process things and where we process things. And um, yeah, I lost my train of thought, but I, I, you know, I think you get kind of what I mean there. Yes, absolutely. I think emotionally that's very relatable in a lot of senses and that um, coming out of this pandemic as well, if we can even say officially, you know, like, again, I, I'm trying to put time markers in place, which, you know, are completely artificial. We completely create these time markers for our own sense of narrative. Even we do this on a daily basis where it's just like, oh, when this happened. Um, and I'm reminded of that very cliche uh, saying that it's not the oh god I can't, I'm gonna butcher this but it's not um, the arrival but the journey that matters um, and you know it, it's so cliche in so many ways but I think it is really like that's what the story is it doesn't you know if we were to break down a story being like well I left this place and I got to this place and you're like okay <laughs> great that's interesting um <laughs> but you know that's the entire story is the transition part of that and I think what I'm facing now with what you were saying in terms of like um grief I can 100% relate because I also lost my grandfather during the pandemic and it was from afar and you know it was mm -hmm. difficult to process that grief from so far away, but also have to process other people's grief from mm -hmm. far away. I wasn't able to be there for my mother and my parents and either my brother as well. We're all in three different countries and that was really difficult. And now that we're coming out of the pandemic as well, the feelings of anxiety that I have coming back into a world that I almost don't recognize because we've been at home for an, a year and a half processing that anxiety is a transition in itself um transitioning to a new normal um that we don't have an end time for or we don't have a marker in time yet to be yeah. able to complete that narrative so it's this ongoing sense of a narrative that is in some ways we want to argue by traditional standards of creation of narrative that it's incomplete but mm -hmm. in going through it, it obviously doesn't feel incomplete. It feels it feels continuous, um, which I think is an interesting way when we try to translate this into written word um, that, you know, how do you even start to write a narrative that on that traditional level would be considered incomplete? Yeah, I as well. Sorry, go ahead, Carrie. <laughs> As well, I'm just thinking like people go through transition at very different paces, right? So our fam like um, my family is all kind of grieving together in California, whereas I'm isolated. And so when I come back and I join them in California, they're going to have kind of gone through all of that together. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have to face it on my own and go through that transition in isolation because they're, they're, they're kind of processed it. Um, well, and yeah, I imagine you will as well. It's definitely different, right? So like, this is all, I mean, this is reminding me of, 
um, the new, the newest UK scandal, Matt Hancock and his, uh, his lovely uh, lobbyist assistant who, um, you know, Matt Hancock, if you're not uh, in the UK or if you're not, you know, I guess paying attention is somebody who created the regulations for isolation and social distance and all, all of that, including who attends your wedding, if you can have a wedding, who attends your funeral, how many people, if you can, oh, let's say hug at your funeral. I like not your funeral. <laughs> you can't hug. <laughs> uh, but if you can, if, if, if grievers can have that community, that physical community, uh, and the answer to that has been no. So mm-hmm. there are people out there who haven't been able to, they may be able to attend a funeral, but that transition of, of grief, which I mean, is even arguable, right? If we look at grief, grief is ongoing. Where the more we, we experience it, the more we know that grief isn't, isn't a one a one and two step, yeah. right? But the experience of, of the transition with your life with one person and then your life without that person, right? Um, is it, it's also very communal and physicality is really important. We know that the human body and the human mind and perhaps even the human spirit is all interconnected. They're not independent entity, entities that they all rely on each other. So mm-hmm. um, he's making these policies. And at the same time, he's breaking those policies to have an affair in office uh, with someone he's hired whose brother is like a huge lobbyist and has all these uh, PPE contracts. So um, it's just reminding me of that. It's reminding me of how the state <laughs> exists uh, almost, uh, you know, I mean, unethically outside of the experience of the people. So mm-hmm. that was politically, just my- Yeah, politically as well. Like um, going back on what we were talking about where um, so much of this, period of pandemic and lockdown has also been um, interjected with huge political upheavals, huge moments of social justice. Um, It's interesting to look at that, well, look back at that one and seeing these moments that have erupted. And for those who don't follow that kind of, you know, human rights, social justice work, um, it would look a lot like some of these things have come out of nowhere or that there was one instigator moment. Um, in the case, let's go to one of the most famous uh, cases, which the narrative that has seemingly wrapped up is the George Floyd murder. Um, and, you know, the, his murder seemed to have really erupted and restarted this Black Lives Matter movement again in the U.S., But it's interesting to look at that for people who have followed that very, very closely over the last, you know, I can't even say decade. This is since the civil rights movement. These are moments that we have placed markers onto to describe this narrative. But really, this entire process is a transition towards the larger narrative, which is complete um, racial equality and human right equality. And these are transitional moments. These are moments that are continuous and going on. And it's only been, you know, recently with the policeman who who murdered George Floyd, Derek Chauvin, was sentenced to 22.5 years Mm. in which I don't understand the 0.5. Don't get me started on that. (laughs) But regardless, he was sentenced. 
And it feels like for those who have just followed the George Floyd murders or the trials that have been ongoing, it feels like that that narrative is finished. But for Mm -hmm. the larger narrative, it's, again, just a transitional moment to get us to where we want to be in terms of racial equality. Point of all of that really was just to say how transitions and narratives look different depending on who's looking at them. So for you know this moment, if this is what you recall, also if you're much younger, this is what you're gonna recall, um, this time period. Whereas if you're looking further back, like I know for my parents, they are seeing so much more and they've got their minds completely wrapped in a completely different way Um, because they remember so many more instances of these injustice, whereas me in my mid-20s, late 20s now, um, (laughs) it feels a lot more, um, if that narrative is shorter just by, you know, virtue of me being younger. So my transitional periods feel shorter as well. That was a really good point. When we're thinking about like the broader movements, like the the struggle and the fight for equal rights, like we're in the we're in the transition stage. And it doesn't it doesn't feel like that, right? That's kind of that's kind of what I mean about the the theme of transitions in literature and art and music and poetry and everything that we're accepting submissions for, is that it's so intangible, it's so esoteric. It's, it's a journey to find what is the transition. So when I sit down and I'm looking at the prompts for beginnings, uh, I think about a hundred things. They come to mind just so easily. And then when I think about roots, obviously a lot comes to mind. That one's like very easy, just immediate visual imagery for me. and not even just of like roots, but like a family tree, like these, these symbols that we have, um, particularly in like Western culture, although it's not exclusive to that, but these symbols and these images are, are very readily available for things like that, for something like aftermath, right? So I think it's interesting what the mind will go to as the first thing, because it's going to, like at least mine, I think goes to whatever bit of culture has saturated that term. So um, when I think about transitions, the first thing I think about is the journey of trans people. It's yeah. the it's transition in my everyday usage is linked to queerness. It's linked to trans lives. That's like immediately the first thing I think about. And when I think it's about- verb, transitioning as opposed to just the transition. Cause it's a verb, right? Like it's the next mm-hmm. step. It's the other. So we don't, that is becoming really synonymous. Like we don't, the term itself, like transition, we don't necessarily use in other contexts culturally very much at all. Um, you might think of, uh, I think of like media. So when, we, when you transition from like a, one scene to the next scene in a film, I think of transitions there. I think of that, um, in literature, you mentioned this before, but like even, you know, moving from one form of action to another, the transitions of like, how we get, how do we get a character from one place to another? How do we get our, our narrative to move? And uh, and when I think of it in art, like in in more physical art, uh, painting and ceramics and things like the, the transition phase to me feels more um, 
behind the scenes, <laughs> right? Because it feels like when we, when we look at art in that way that you're looking at like a finished thing. So the first thing that comes to mind isn't like a finished piece of art, but it's like the transition phase that you might have when you throw clay and uh, you put it in the kiln and like the, the sort of transition that artwork goes through to become finished, which isn't at all remotely easy for someone to submit to us. So, <laughs> right, like you can't, catching that moment is really tricky. <laughs> well, I think the first thing that came to mind while you were saying that for me was it's the privateness, uh, the privacy, I guess, behind transitions actually. Um, there's this private nature to it that to let someone into your transitional moments is almost so intimate. Um, you know, and, and just how much of transitions happens behind the doors is very interesting. Now that you're mentioning all of this and I'm thinking about it is very much in that, in that process, that state. I mean, in art, just putting, you know, a piece of pottery in the kiln, there's a transition that happens in a closed box mm. before it comes back out and it's finished. That artwork you go from a blank canvas, either stretching it yourself or getting it from the store that people can see to a finished product that people have not seen the between transition of. And in the same way with queerness and sexuality, that transition, one happens behind closed doors and it's a medically closed door, um, but also a mentally closed door where people are going through that emotional transition of, of transitioning. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't, if you see that it's it's you're very aware of this transition happening but you're also realizing it's a very intimate it's a very private thing um and so this nature of transition and kind of opening up that door to talk about those transitions is really interesting because and in such a way that is different from the transitions of narratives um just because everything up to our point we would say it's a finished point but transitions are so retroactive, at least the way we define tra a transition is so retroactive. But those moments, especially in art, in um, queerness and sexuality, in um, the process of creation, transition is a fundamental part that you know you're in that transition moment. Whereas in larger narratives outside of that, it's only retroactively that we go back and think of transitions and think that they were occurring. Well, and I'm thinking about like, not just trans folks in the queer community, but also just being queer in the queer community. Many people, when you come out, you don't come out all at once, most of the time, like you come out in baby steps and safe spaces, and then you get a little bit more bold and you come out in bigger spaces and bigger spaces, or at least that was my experience is, you know, discussing it with friends until you accidentally discuss it with someone. Mm -hmm. You didn't really think about it. You just kind of assumed that they would know. Um, and how those transitions happen really quietly, even for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think it's the same for trauma as well, actually. And that, you know, when you go through something so traumatic, the transition from that moment to when you have if you tell people, if you even choose to, or if you choose to discuss, but that moment from when you're healing, um, those are transitional moments that are again, very small and very incremental. And 
I think that goes back again to one of the um, things in my head that is like everything takes time or time heals all and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's this notion of time that is inherently linked with this notion of transition, that you have to give yourself time to transition to that next phase where you're you're healing or you're ready to talk about it or you're ready to uh, disclose to certain people or in bigger spaces um, who and what and where you are in your life. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, it's this like really intimate process, I think. And it's definitely, uh, it's definitely like, it's so close. It's so close. It's so, it's so different because when you have other experiences, we're, it's, it's almost like transitions is, is like cultivating something, right? Like mm-hmm. the transition phase in a in a garden isn't what you show the world, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the transition phase in, you know, between who I am as like a mom in the morning and who I am in the evening if I'm getting ready to go out with my partner, right? Like there's a there's a transition between one state and another. And that state, like you said, is like typically you have you have these doors. And it's closed behind that because what you, what that also implies is that we have, we have an open door at some point. So it's that self, the the public self and the private self and, and the transition where that happens. I think you're right. I think it's typically like the private self. It's not something that we, that we share, even in, even in this age where we share like so much, so much all the time of our lives. uh, I think I think maybe even that, like that creates a new transition, mm-hmm. right? You just create more me, doors. This gets me interested in the idea of labels as well in so many ways that we create faces almost. Um, again, sorry, this is the literary background in me that I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of a quote from T.S. Eliot that says, we wear the faces to meet or we put on the faces to meet the faces that we will meet or something like that. I think I've pretty much butchered it, but it's this idea that everyone dons a face, everyone puts on another face um, to meet the people and the transition from our private self, if we're gonna go for a private self that is only visible to our closest and dearest, um, that transition to the face that we are almost required in some cases by society to wear or that we don for social media, or that we, you know, want to project to come across in a certain way. Um, And it's this need from society in so many ways to only let us wear one face at a time, when in fact, we're transitioning to multiple moments. And many a times there's multiple transitions happening, compounding constantly, where we're transitioning in the very, very smallest sense from the person we are in the morning to the person we are in the afternoon after a coffee. But then (laughs) in the larger sense, the person that we are um, when, you know, we've gone through trauma or we've gone through something to the person that we are once we've come to accept what we've gone through and healed from it, these transitions are all going at the same time. And in the same sense, like for you as a mother, Sam, 
that transition of nine months of carrying a child, or it's more like 10 months, really, yeah. um, yes. of carrying a child. That is all a transitional moment, but it's a transition on top of that where you transition from a woman who is, you know, just a woman at first to a would-be mother to a mother. But then as you a mother, you're continuing to grow as a mother and transition into a different kind of mother. This is a continuous transition and a continuous change. And we as humans are continuously changing. So it's very interesting that we choose not to focus on that continuous transition, that ephemeral and continuous transition, but rather label ourselves and almost quarantine ourselves in these boxes, sorry, mm. pandemic <laughs> language, but like, you know, close ourselves in these boxes of labels. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about masking. Go right um, ahead. I was just agreeing. <laughs> I was just thinking about masking and like, you know, as someone with ADHD, I, I mask a lot less now than I used to. The more I learn about myself and this transition into understanding that part of my identity. Um, but there, there's a part of masking that I can't stop that I, that I don't know, like, I can't take it off, mm -hmm. even though I want to. Um, not the physical pandemic mask. <laughs> like <an laughs> yeah, <actual>. exactly. <laughs> um, and like who, who I am vulnerable with in my mask, like, okay, is this a person that I can, um, disassociate with, or do I need to be really careful about how I'm speaking so that I don't have gaps in my speech and in my language? Are they going to be annoyed with me or are they going to think I'm oversharing? All of these different aspects of who I am as someone with ADHD, I absolutely mask them in a lot of situations, even when I don't necessarily want to. Uh, I think it's almost instinct now. And habit, very much habit. And um, from what you were saying as well, I was just very much reminded that sometimes I do this thing when I get nervous and that I uh, babble and I'll talk a lot and I will give off the impression that I'm oversharing, but I very, very much know that I'm not sharing anything of import, but it seems like I'm oversharing. And I know that I do this out of a, um, a protective instinct that, you know, I'm, I'm a very private person and I have very small circle of friends. Um, and I'm very happy in that sense. I really, really am. And then when I meet other people, I deliberately overshare in what they think is oversharing so that mm -hmm. I have the sense of closeness and friendliness and all of this stuff, but it's actually <laughs> keeping them at an arm's distance. Mm -hmm. So it's You're so not a Gemini, strange. right? I can't remember. No, I'm a Scorpio. Very, <laughs> and it's a very, it's a very Gemini, it's a very Gemini thing to do from my understanding. Uh, I'm a Gemini. I'm a Scorpio, I, do, I, know, I do a lot of very odd things. Yeah, well, you, you, it's a sneaky thing that Gemini does, and I don't think people give Gemini enough credit for being sneaky. Certainly Scorpio gets lots of credit for being sneaky. So <laughs> uh, I do, I do the same thing. I do the exact same thing. Uh, I think that's so funny because I walk around, I walked around my whole life as like, I, I was really made fun of as a child. And mm -hmm. I thought I, I was bullied a lot as a kid. So maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not necessarily in the stars so much as a clever protective device because I remember explicitly thinking that if I tell all of my secrets no one can make fun of my secrets yes yes that. <laughs> and like 
Yeah, like, I'm just going to tell you all of the things that I think are wrong with me. And then you can make that, like, I'm not going to get connected to you. I'm going to wait until you have them all presented and you can decide then. Like, do you want, do you want this, this friendship? Oh, see, that's, this relationship? that's very practical because I don't think I, I put that emotional distance for a very long time. Ah. I, was, I was doing that, but I was still very close to it. So I was like very invested. Um, I would like, I would full on tell the so-called secrets that I did not care about people knowing. There were just things that people didn't know about me, but I would treat them like they were secrets when I would yes. talk to someone. So I'd be like, yeah, you know, like I'm just, I'm having this really rough time or something like that. I'm like, I don't care if you know that. So that I wouldn't have to divulge the real secrets. Like the yeah. real Like, oh, look issues. at this baby thing. Look at this. Yeah. Very small. The tip of the iceberg. Here's a vulnerability. It's all your, it's yes. not like easy ones, but it's a one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very much that Titanic thing where I'm just like, look, tiny, tiny iceberg. Just go around it. Big, big thing underneath. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the ways yeah. that we manage to keep the private private. And mm -hmm. right. I mean, I think that's it's funny because it was I used to talk about it a lot. I used to talk about that, like, and then the emotional burnout that I would have the next day because it happened a lot. Like it would just keep happening. And then eventually I had to um I had to re-examine how I was interacting with people because it having emotional hangovers feeling dread uh feeling really like like something i did ugh, like i'm anxious yeah. i did something wrong mm -hmm. and i when i finally like started putting it together i was like oh i told them too much yeah. i just told them too ah, much like, that was it. <laughs> i don't even mind that they know it's it's a weird mm -hmm. dynamic right but it's but like I, excavating I the that. the the private even if it's not vulnerable but it's just excavating the private and making it public in a sort of, I, it's not unconscious, <laughs> but it's not a conscious act. You know, it is not, it's not a mindful act. It's, yes. it's an act of, of just purging in a way, but without, without that mindfulness. I think that's what was really damaging for me. I also wonder how much of that is ADHD as well. And the rejection, like dysphoria, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. one you know, thing that we do as people with ADHD is we overshare, right? Yeah. And it's not a thing we notice. It's not a thing that necessarily comes to our attention when we're doing it. But then just afterward, we're like, huh, I wonder, was that weird? Do they think I'm weird now? Do they think I'm like just a bit too much? And it just kind of like gets in your head because I don't notice those things until much, much later. And that's where the anxiety comes in. Yeah, yeah, that too. Is a, it's a lot of what, to, sorry, to bring this back to the circle a little bit, it is a lot of what transitions is. It's the unconscious part of yeah. what we do. And it's the, it's the instinctual, the primitive, uh, I say primitive in the most sense of like, I have to go eat or drink a glass of water because my, you know, primitive instincts of like survival are telling me to do like biologically this. Biologically primitive, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And those are the, you know, unconscious states of transition that we indulge in every single day um, and have to go through in order to make it through our lives. And I think what's interesting, so I, I, I can't speak as uh, with someone as ADHD because I don't have ADHD, but I'm uh, very much an introvert in the sense that I feel that emotional hangover. Like after I hang out with people, 
literally I'm I don't leave my house for two days I'm very very comfortable not leaving my house and it's very strange for my family who are a whole group of extroverts you know um someone says let's go somewhere they're they're there instantly they're like yeah let's do it let's do it and I'm just there I'm like very okay to sit on the couch and read for two old days like I to be fair I'm not even gonna lie I didn't leave my house all weekend not once <laughs> you know and and that's perfectly okay for me but as an introvert um my sense of what is a, a moment and a transition is very different because for for people who are extroverts for example my roommate my flatmate um, she needs to leave the house once a day, otherwise she goes stir crazy. And for her, you know, those are the moments that make her day. For me, in in my in for her head, my entire day looks like a transition because there's nothing happening. But for me, yes, it's a transition, but it's a transition of re-upping um, my energy tank mm-hmm. because I can't do another social interaction, you know, or I just can't be out. I need to be in my comfort zone and in my space and my space matters so much. And so my entire house and and bedroom and all of this are transitional spaces and I move them around so much because they're never finished and they're never transitional. And I find that that's something I do as an introvert where I play around in my space a lot of what it looks like, how I feel in it, because I'm using that to bring back energy to me. So those transitional moments are super, super important. Mm-hmm. They're not just moments to get me to other moments. Whereas, you know, people like my flatmate or my family, they're just like, but what has, what has identified your day as you doing something? And I was like, I, I don't need that specifically. Mm-hmm. I don't need those, you know, those huge moments to break apart my day and say that these are things that I've done and everything was just to get to there. My entire day may be a transition, but as someone who reads a lot, gains a lot, all of that stuff, those are, those are moments for me, even if they feel transitional. I think, I think maybe too, that it might be like, it looks like staying at home for me, like in my guilt brain, like not going out feels like bookends rather than transitions Mm -hmm. for me. Like, it feels like I'm not doing anything Mm -hmm. and that I need the, I need the movement. And so I think like for a lot of like speaking as an extrovert (laughs) on behalf of extroverts, that it probably just like, it just seems like staying at home feels um, inactive. It feels like there's no movement. It feels like there's no, there's no transition. There's nothing changing. It's a static, stagnant place, Um, which is a great thing to pair with agoraphobia. Let me tell you. (laughs) So, right. I've learned after lockdown and agoraphobia, I've learned to find transitions and movements in small ways because you have to, you have to find, you have to find journeys, right? Like this is something that we, we strive for. We're no longer nomadic peoples, but maybe there's some part of us in our primitive biology that remembers movement in such a way. And, and so for you, like, recharging and reading like those are movements those are places if I'm if I can read like I have I have a toddler so my experience at home is very different right now I can't quite just like escape I have to be present Mm -hmm. all the time and often that feels both like I'm not moving and (laughs) I'm never getting anywhere but the things around me are changing and moving constantly so it's like it's a very bizarre dynamic I think, but I think it, it is reminiscent and this is going to sound really bad. I think it is reminiscent of having depression. 
that those two like experiences like being present in this way that is both like bored and maddening and but things are moving and things are changing you just don't feel them because you are like always on and which Mm -hmm. you think that in depression you're like off but it's kind of like you're just aware of how mundane everything is constantly (laughs) yeah and I think that's something that all three of us can kind of relate to in the sense that we've all gone through periods of um you know quite serious depression in our lives at some point or another but yeah mental health and transitions that is a really Mm -hmm. really interesting topic and just how Oh, so many things are coming to mind in terms of like transitions between you experiencing what you're experiencing and actually getting a diagnosis or you experiencing what you're going through and coming out on the other side and feeling like this is it's going to pass it's going to pass and this is what people say you know like for for some people who don't understand what it feels like to have um clinical depression or chronic depression um for them that they're just kind of there being like you know just buck up just feel happy and you're like Okay. Cool, cool. Okay, let's see. I don't know what's happening right now. My computer just freaked out. I hope it keeps that whole thing. Sorry, please. Let's just get back like a, a second and okay. hopefully we, we caught all that. Yeah, so at this moment for some people who don't have depression or have never experienced it, uh, depression can seem like a transitional moment until you're happy again or until you feel better. But those of us going through it, like that is a pivotal moment in time. Um, and especially I can imagine for, you know, people with chronic depression or people with uh, bipolar disorders or even, you know, multiple personality disorders, um, their stages of going through, you know, what would be considered normalcy almost feels like tradition, uh, not traditions, transitions to the yeah. moment until you know, their, their mental disorders or their mental health kicks in and then they're feeling depressed again. And that feels like the pivotal moments in time um, rather than the tra- transitional moments where people are like, it's okay, you go through what you want to go through now and you'll be happy eventually, you know? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like that in the, in the moment. And for those going through it, the, the periods of normalcy when you kind of feel like you have enough energy to get up and go take a shower and, and even chat to your friends or your family, those feel like the transitions until you're sad again. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's, and I think too, there's like this other element, like I'm facing down, um, I have, I have chronic illness, but I'm facing down, um, a disability right now and finding a diagnosis for that, that will impact me for the rest of my life. And it really has like highlighted that, that idea. So you were saying this, this concept of like, well, the way people talk to you, like eventually, like you'll be happy again. And th- those are kind of like bookmarks that people often use for these times, right? They say like, it's, it, that's like you said, it's a, the, the bad part is the transition, uh, which I find really interesting when faced with something that is going to like, no doubt it is, it has been a part of my life, my whole life. I just haven't put those pieces together and it will be for the rest of my life. So the transition that I'm facing is more of like a mental acceptance, acknowledgement transition rather than going, well, healthy, not healthy, and then healthy again. And that isn't to say that that the disability will be unhealthy. I'm just sort of um, condensing that down to basic 
uh, terms. So please, that's yeah. not, it's definitely not what I mean, <laughs> but, yeah. but it's we're limited of, by language, yes. which I think is yeah. a lot of the point there. We're limited by language and we're limited by our sense of time, which is so artificial. This is why we put time timings on everything. This is why we look back and retroactively say, this was where everything began. This was where it ended. This was the major plot points in our life, you know, but like you said, you know, it, it's, it's so constructed in so many ways and, and you're still building that right now as you go through it. Another thing I'm thinking as well, one like, uh, just thinking about like depression and transition um, and you, you know, we think about it with these bookends of like, okay, you're, you've got the big sad and now you're over the big sad and you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but part of that is um, one of my favorite lines in a song is it's about, it's by Rilo Keeley, Better Son or Daughter. Yeah, that's um, one of my favorite songs. Yeah, yeah. You know the line I mean about like, even when you're feeling good, like you're just waiting for it to come back. Do you remember what that line is? Yeah, well, the lows are so extreme that the good feels fucking cheap and it teases you for weeks in its absence. Yeah, that one, that fucking line. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, that one. And I'm like, it. part of the reason it's so powerful as a lyric is because it speaks to people with depression in that it's not just the the transition period of you know between being not depressed it's also that that transition affects you afterwards even when you're feeling okay you're like oh but when's it coming back when will it be here again and i think in that way transitions aren't they're not even definite you know they're they're I don't know. Yeah, no, they're yeah. they're undefined. Yeah, and- absolutely undefined. And I feel like that's exactly the point with transitions is that one day what will look like a transition into you at another point in your life might have seemed like the actual plot point, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my only way of desi- defining this is I'm going into literary terms. <laughs> but, you, you know, yeah, it was like, you know, exactly. But that's, that's the thing is like, what once looked like a transition moment to you, you're going to turn around and be like, no, that, that was the story right there. That's it. Um, but again, another point in your life, you might be like, this is, this is the big issue. And you're like, no, this was a transitional moment for me to tra- to, to move towards something else um, or even move towards the exact same thing, just getting back to that same thing, you know? And well, then that- the- the famous thing is, can you ever, the, can you ever go back, you know, mm. or the other famous quote, you can never go home again. Oh right? yeah. Ooh. You can't return. What is it? There's also um, a native American uh, phrase that was like a man never visits the same river twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, yeah. I very likely that was not verbatim and I don't know <laughs> what tribe it comes from. It is just a proverb that I have heard. So, uh, yeah. yeah. To but be fair, I'm gonna, I'm really, really afraid that someone's gonna take offense to this, but I'm pretty sure that was also a line in one of the Pocahontas songs, oh, Colors no. of the Wind. It yeah. totally is. It totally is. You can't step in the same river twice. Oh um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's like, it's the Colors same. of the Wind. That's, that's obviously <laughs> where they took it. Like, I think it is actually, yeah. I think it, it is no, from indigenous people. actual proverb, yeah. Um, um, but that's, that's funny. I, I haven't watched that in so long. Funnily enough, we do watch plenty of Disney in my house. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, I, I think about that a lot 
I think about that. I think about that phrase a lot, weirdly enough, because I think it's like, it has, it's so fertile for thought. There's so many reasons why a river is never the same the second time that you're in it. And is it, is it also when, is it also the man that changes, right? Like there's so many, there's so mm. many layers. It's such a really good, thoughtful, um, beautiful sentiment. And I think really encapsulates um, the way that human beings change and the way that the earth changes and that connection, that relationship. So to me, I think that's something that I'm really interested in in our submissions is exploring exploring that that idea what is changing what is transitioning who who and where and like how that relates to the environment not even necessarily in the most like eco-conscious way but but how we we live in our environments and how those environments change and are changed by us mm. from one state yeah. to another Ooh, yeah it would be really interesting to see some like eco-criticism on transition yeah I definitely know that um and I'll I'll be putting that in in at the end like I said but when I spoke with Millen and Millen was like very very interested in in hearing stories about that uh certainly like the connection to nature and I think like when she said that to me the first time I didn't get it <laughs> it was mm -hmm. only just like sitting here and really discussing the theme and I'm like oh I get it which get it. sounds yeah. so bananas for someone to just like be mentally absent in such a way <laughs> but I that's what I love about it I love like having a staff that we can really pull these things from because certainly like as an editor I don't think of everything mm -hmm. so as a quick aside sorry I uh I googled the the quote because I was like I need to know oh okay yeah tell us about it again. um it's actually a Greek philosopher uh -huh. Heraclitus oh, um, who who said it I mean you know, I guess their works are mostly fragmented and stuff like that, but it's kind of just talking about how people are never the same and the river's never the same, just like what you were saying. Um, but I, thought <laughs> I just want to, I just want to say that I definitely saw this on a meme. So <laughs> I'm going to blame my own lack of research that I see. I saw that. I was like, oh, that's, and then obviously whoever made that meme just took it from Pocahontas. So yes. thank you for, <laughs> for sending your humiliation through the wires to me <laughs> to experience on a podcast where I sound like a doofus. <laughs> it's a good quote. Oh, no. It's yeah, a good it quote. Is. And it actually makes me think a lot about how um, embarking on a transition is another way of leaving something permanently. And that's a very, very like heavy idea that you might not even realize it but once you transition there's no going back like in so many ways that you yeah. know term like that um and 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 in so many ways it's it's not intentional and that's so crazy to me it going back to what we were saying that uh, so much of transition is unconscious um but if we go with transitions as being something where you know takes you from from one situation to another the idea is that you can't go back at all. You're you're done, and well, not done for. My God, that's that heavy. <laughs> but you know, it's there is no turning around. There's no going back to who you were um, in that exact same way. And so that oh, is just so so heavy. And that's part of the transition too, isn't it? The the mm. not being able to return to the the previous. Because even if you go back, you'll go back different. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
you don't like and it's part of it's I think that I think too that like it's these themes are really interesting because they really hearken to the the base of human nature in many ways you know beginnings and aftermath roots transitions where we're experiencing these are experiences that can be that can be really widely felt throughout humanity which i think is really cool because we've had we've had ideas for uh for themes that that are a lot more narrow um that haven't seen the light of day obviously we've only had four issues but uh mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see um how we continue this and like how often we narrow that focus to something more it's like slightly more specific and and concrete mm-hmm. um and yeah this has been such a good conversation i want to end on a on a such a high note certainly illuminating for me um so sherry do you have anything that you want to share any sort of stuff that you want to promote i know you work on a lot of other projects so if you want to share websites uh social media handles anything that you'd like please go ahead um, yeah, sure. I mean, um, so I have a, I co-founded a blog um, about three, four years back that we talk about um, movie, TV shows, books, all of these kind of things and how it interacts with the social world. Um, so if some of this conversation was interesting to our listeners out there, you know, go ahead and go to www.avidbards.com. Um, and you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at avidbards. And um, yeah, there's plenty of things out there for you to read or listen to. Um, And it's just topics like this where we really bring in um, existing books and movies and TV shows and how that interacts with these kind of concepts. Wonderful. And those links will be in the description. So if you're listening to the podcast, you can go ahead and check that out. Kara, did you have anything that you wanted to promo? Anything that you want to hit on before we sign off? Nope. He talks my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually true. So uh, just a big thank you to you, Sherry, and to you, Kara, both our co-editor and chiefs, co-editors in chief here at <laughs> Epoch Press, um, for just taking part in this discussion today. And yeah, thanks again. It's been really good. It's, as like an editor, I think it's going to make um, it's going to make editing this issue a lot easier for me having had this discussion. So this has been Samantha Mosca and my guests, Sherry and Kara. Thank you for listening to the Epoch Hour. I'd like to add on a few snippets from conversations that I've had with our staff at Epoch Press on the theme of transitions. First up is Hillary Bryan, our managing art director. Was there like a particular artist or piece of work that like came into your mind when you thought of the theme of transitions? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think that I thought of any specific artist, but I did have like this visual in my mind of like a just an abstract watercolor of like different colors kind of melting into each other and um, maybe like something really bright and colorful or like dark and soulful um I'm not really sure but that's just kind of the image that popped into my my head I am looking forward to to submissions getting a little more I don't know out there 
um, for beginnings, we had a lot of different types of submissions. We had performance art, we had an animation, we had, and, and in Roots, I think it was very much, there was like a lot of photography, there was a lot of drawings, um, like made objects, stuff like that, that was really cool. But um, I really like weird art. I like weird stuff and I want to see the weird stuff more. I feel like we've been getting a lot of like very traditional, which is fine. And it's easy to print and a lot of it's really well done and beautiful. And we like to see that too, but I also just like really weird stuff. So send us your weird stuff. Well, you heard Hillary, send us your weird stuff, please. And next up is Ivan TW, managing copy editor. When you think of transitions, is there like a work of art that comes to your mind? Is there something that that comes to you as as a mm. as an artist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, man, it's I guess probably the the big one for me. I'm I'm a science fiction fan, and I think um, Ursula Le Guin's Left Hand of Darkness, um, which is one of my my favorite books ever. Um, and and such an um, immense influence on me as um, a person and an artist, and um, it's it's about a, a planet of humanoid uh, humans of, of people that um, to sexually reproduce they go into heat and become either male or female. Um, and then mate and get pregnant and have children. And then they go back to kind of a, um, uh, an asexual state after afterward. And um, at the time it's it's like nothing, I had never read anything like it. And I still, I guess haven't read anything like it since then. Uh, and it was such, and it was written in 1968, um, which, yeah. you know, just the, the idea that that could, come up to uh to into her mind at the time when you know sort of uh transgenderism wasn't even ever talked about and and it's it was such an inspiring um piece of work for me and just incredible and here's contributing editor millen brown newens yeah for sure I, I kind of see um i kind of see it as, as this this weird state kind of like of being temporarily suspended um and I think it, it's an acknowledgement that you are moving or it's an acknowledgement of passing through something um and that kind of subsequently um informs how people re write about it and understand it when they're reading it it's it's kind of prompts introspection in a really really personal way um and I, it's very conscious, I think, um, you know, we could we could just kind of put it down to the passing of time, um, you know, going from one mm -hmm. place to another. But I, I don't think um, and I think that the work that we've had sent in kind of examples this that we we don't need any great passing of time for um, us to witness a period of transition, which has been really interesting, probably the most kind of profound um, kind of nugget of information that's come out of this. Yeah, absolutely. 
Next up is Zara Ahmad, social media manager and contributing editor. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think it's just so interesting to like be within the bubble of transition and then to be outside of it and yeah. kind of reflect back and be like, okay, so why was I feeling so like anxious or, or uncomfortable? And yeah, I think it really just comes down to the whole unknown factor. Is there like um, an artist or a piece of artwork that comes to your mind specifically like as an artist that, that sort of Ooh. feels yeah. prescient? Um, I think if, if going like from from like a, a well-known like mainstream artist, someone like Picasso or like someone in the doing like the cubism movement, or actually there's, there's one really great piece, Nude Descending the Staircase by Marcel Duchamp which is, it's a very cool, like, it's got that sort of cubism look, but it's, like, so it's, like, very geometric, but it's essentially, like, a person going down, like, a spiral staircase, uh-huh. and it's so interesting because I, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't know the specific backstory, but I think the painting was trying to capture, like, every single movement as someone is, like, going down a staircase, essentially, um, so I think that's super cool because that just, like, embodies the whole idea of transition in a very literal way um but yeah as I was talking about cubism I was like yes that that one that is a specific piece that that really um embodies that and finally here is Pardeep Lal our managing music editor and his thoughts on the theme of transitions what do you uh when you think of transitions um and music like what are some things that that are like poignant to you? What are some things that you're looking for as the music editor? Oh, for transitions, I don't know why. It's gonna sound so pedantic, but <laughs> you know, like the bridge to a song. Yeah. Like middle like those are, when you like, when you say transition to music, like that's kind of my first thing that like I grab onto for some reason. I don't know why. That makes sense. But um, yeah. But like thematically, man, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of instrumental music is carries that theme of transition for some reason. I don't know. It's probably arbitrary, but I'm just going to say it. Um, but yeah, I feel like a lot of instrumental music kind of carries that theme of transition partially because like the jazz tradition and the classical tradition all have this weird, not weird, all have this unique aspect of like building upon the past more so and like moving on like taking what you want from the past and like putting it into something new and that's kind of a form of transition so yeah 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 I find that's pretty interesting but for like contemporary music uh, transition could be applied to anything like technical and otherwise I think thanks so much we appreciate you as listeners we also appreciate your patience as we have sort of stumbled to get some episodes out this month hopefully our schedule will pick back up and you'll see our episodes pop up on your feed bi-weekly and that's all thanks so much for listening to the epoch hour i'm your host samantha mosca bringing you truth on tape